0: The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where the independent new authors come first. Sitting down right beside me now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable, I'm talking with author Regina Bennett. Regina, thank you for joining me here tonight. Thank you very much. Absolutely. I wanted to congratulate you on having a new audiobook out titled Looking Back, Individual Memories from Birth and Beyond, Sometimes Painful, Other Times Happy. Through it all, there is healing and remembering. Do or can you remember? But Regina, can you tell me about this audiobook?
1: Yes, it's a book about the gathering of memories about myself and others. And it takes me back to young adult years, infancy to young adult years. It's a revisiting of your memories, which can sometimes be painful. And sometimes, you know, you laugh, you cry. But through everything, there's healing in remembering.
0: Regina, what kind of readers did you have in mind for this? Who do you think would be really into your book?
1: Readers from all around the world and backgrounds, because everybody has been through different things in life. And when you sit and think about it, it's like a keepsake. And they could use this as a guide to write their own
0: book. So, Regina, can you tell me how you got the idea, how you were inspired to write this and publish it?
1: Okay, I was inspired. With COVID going on, it was the inspiration because family members and you saw people worldwide getting sick and in the hospital on ventilators and respirators. And everybody within this room is in their 60s and older. Hmm. And so I said, You know, before everybody, you know, has let me write something because, you know, people don't know about what goes on in one individual family. Hmm. And so even family members don't know about each other because everybody sees things from their own
0: perspective. Regina, when it comes to writing and publishing, is this your first time or have you done this kind of thing before? No, this is my first time. How long of a process was this for you from when you first started writing it clear up until the book and audiobook came out?
1: I started in June of 2021, and it was published in December of 2021, the paperback and the e-book. And then in November now, the audio book is being published, and my book came out in 2022, I'm sorry, December.
0: Speaking of the audio book, Regina, what was it like whenever you heard your book, as opposed to reading it off the page like you were used to?
1: Well, the person who read the book, when I heard it read, I think she did an excellent job.
0: Was it a challenge to find just the right voice that you were looking for?
1: It was a challenge because there were three different voice types that I speak from. But I was satisfied with the lady who read the book.
0: Fantastic. So that day finally came, Regina, and talking about the hard copy again, you finally got your first copy in, and you got to hold your book for that first time. What was that moment like for you?
1: It was really exciting, and I wanted to share it with everybody, so I was excited when it came.
0: Looking down the road, do you see yourself writing more?
1: Well, I'm not really sure at this point, but I would like to.
0: When it comes to the publishing end of things, you know, there's so many hoops you got to jump through, so many things involved in that. Regina, did you find an aspect of that particularly challenging?
1: No, because I did a lot of research on who I wanted to publish the book. I was impressed with the one that I selected.
0: And now that you've been through this for the first time, I'm sure it was quite a learning experience. So is there any advice that you would have now for aspiring authors who are listening? Well, I would say
1: be truthful to selves and tell it the way they see it from their own perspective.
0: Do you get moments, Regina, where you're writing or you're trying to write and you get writer's block? And then how do you get through something like that?
1: Well, you put your pen down and you just relax and it will come back to you. And once thoughts come back to you, you just pick up your pen. It might be the middle of the night. You get up and you write down your thoughts. That's how I do.
0: Again, it's titled, Looking Back, Individual Memories from Birth and Beyond, Sometimes Painful, Other Times Happy. Through it all, there is healing in remembering. Do or can you remember? It's written by Regina Bennett, and this is published by the Audiobook Network, so get it everywhere that you like to pick up your audiobooks, like Audible or iTunes and Amazon, everywhere. Regina, thank you again for joining me here on the show and telling me about your work. I had a nice time talking with you.
1: Thank you very much.
0: The book we're talking about now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable is a testimonial to the true witness of God's love and forgiveness. It's titled Soft is the Air I Breathe. It's written by Karen Helmer, and we're talking all about this book right now. Karen is here with me. Karen, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me tonight.
2: Yes, thank you for having me.
0: It's my pleasure, Karen. Can you tell me all about what you've written in Soft is the Air I Breathe?
2: Yes, this is an autobiography that I wrote going through cancer treatment last year. And I was going through chemotherapy and off of work for many months for breast cancer. And I had wanted to do this book for over 10 years. So this first started as a thought in my head around 2010, when I was going through a very, very difficult relationship and I was living by myself in an apartment. And I thought I have so many things to write. I do have a good story to tell. And even though it's filled with a lot of pain and a lot of strife and a lot of difficult, difficult relationships, I thought I had something to say to people. And I would cry about the book, (laughs) Mm. you know, want to get it written. And it really never came to the light of day. I tried to write small notes you know, and keep them on the computer, and it just never really cohesed until last year, well, without giving away too much on the ending of the book, I just awoke one morning and I was just God inspired about what to write, how to write it, the title of the
0: book. Oh wow. and off I went <laughs> Karen, was there a specific group of readers that you were speaking to here?
2: Yes, I'm speaking to women specifically that have just gone through very, very tough, abusive, honestly, relationships. Mm. And I just want to reach out to them. And even though my journey was years, years, decades, actually, I just want to tell them there is hope. There is hope to find forgiveness in the love of God, and you can find that relationship out there that will be
0: with you and stand by you and somebody to love you, and that's who I'm reaching out to. Oh, what a great message, Karen. Uh, When it comes to writing and being published, have you done this kind of thing before?
2: No. (laughs) This is my first book. I've always thought I could write. I mean, I enjoyed English classes, you know, writing in college, and I've always enjoyed doing essays and that sort of thing, but I never, I never really studied like writing a book per se. So I just went off. <laughs> off. I went with inspiration from God and a lot of edits and everything to pitch Chase publishing, and there's a book.
0: <laughs> Was it a long process for you overall?
2: No, actually, and this is kind of shocking even to my editors. I wrote this in three months. So I started in April of last year, and I was done in July, and they were all like, what? You did what? <laughs> I'm very surprised, but it just I'm a pretty fast typist, and it just went very quickly, because I have so much to say. I mean, it was all pent up, you know, pent up in my heart, and the story, and yeah. Well,
0: I bet you that moment was special when that first copy came in, and you got to hold this for the first time. What was that like, Karen?
2: Yes, I filmed it. Actually, I didn't open the box for about four days. And I had my husband film it, me opening up that first box. And I was just in tears because <laughs> it it'd been such a long, long, long time to get that published. And so I was in tears and holding up the book. And <laughs> I
0: couldn't believe it. Karen, who inspires you in your life or who do you have in your life that motivates and encourages you along the way, especially when you're doing things like this when you're writing? First of all, a lot of prayer
2: to God, and my husband is a very big support and just helps me to keep on going. And even though I'm upset once in a while or, you know, <laughs> and that kind of thing, he just calms me down and helps me through it.
0: I know there are a lot of readers out there that are going to find so much in the pages of this book. I encourage my listeners to go check this out. Again, the title is Soft as the Air I Breathe. It's written by Karen Helmer. It's published by Christian Faith Publishing, so you can find it anywhere like Amazon or Barnes & Noble or iTunes and also at traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Oh, Karen, how nice it's been having you on the show and learning about your story and about this book that you've written. Thank you so much for being here.
2: Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And I really hope readers out there can just read it and gain hope from it and know that there is more beyond maybe what they're going through at the time.
0: Have you gone through challenging times, wondering where to turn? Well, then this book we're going to be talking about right now just might be for you. It's titled Finding Hope Within the Crisis, Lessons Learned in Life, Including My Nine-Month COVID Journey. This is a book written by Gary Texter, and we're going to talk all about it. Gary is sitting here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Gary, thank you so much for being here with me. Welcome.
3: Thank you so much, Corey. It's great to be here.
0: It's great to have you here, Gary, and I appreciate you being here. Can you tell me all about what you've written about here and Finding Hope Within the Crisis?
3: Sure, sure. The book is about hope and and gratitude, and I found that so often God works through people in our lives to show us that hope. Give you a few quick scenarios from the book. One was back some years ago. My mom I was surviving when the doctors were astounded. Actually, that shocked would be the word because her blood results didn't support life. And when I walked into the ICU, I heard them say, There's no way that she should be alive. The numbers don't support it. Wow. I walked in and they said, Geez, We're sorry you heard that, but we don't understand this. There's some other factor involved. And of course my mom and I looked at each other and we smiled and we knew what the other factor was. It was God working through the prayers of so many, our our little church in Bloomingburg and folks all throughout the county, the state, and then beyond the world. There's never a reason to give up hope, you know? That was just one little example of uh, how prayers can help put our faith in something beyond ourselves. Hmm. The second example I'd like to give you is that the last position I worked in, right before I actually got COVID, uh, I worked for six and a half years for a not-for-profit. Their major work was helping the homeless. And I was able to find folks in the woods living in tents and under railroad tracks and this and that. But the point is that each one of them, whatever their situation was, they had hope. You know, they, mm. they showed us faith and a hope. And so much so that we formed a warming station for the homeless, through the local clergy in the area. Wow. And it continues to operate today. So hope goes a long way. And to me, God is the source of all that hope. And many
0: people are vessels of that hope. Is this your first time writing or have you written a book before, or been published before this?
3: Well, this is the first time I've ever published a book, you know.
0: Wonderful, wonderful. How long did this take you, Gary? That's
3: about a year and a half to complete it.
0: And being it is such a personal story to you, what was it like when you finally got that first copy in? You got to hold this thing and, and look at it for the first time. Oh, yeah, it was
3: very, very rewarding to have it done. Mm. And for the fact that my hope, of course, in writing the book is that they will help give others hope out there. You know, I, I would say, you know, no matter what's going on in somebody's life, it's always hope. And God provides that hope and he provides the people to show us that hope, too.
0: So based on your whole experience, Gary, writing and publishing, do you have any advice that you could give now to the aspiring authors who are listening to us?
3: Sure. I would say, for, you know, discern about it, pray about it. And if you truly believe you have a message to benefit others, give it some time each day to write. Go out for a walk. Think about it. And then sit down and start writing. And you know what? The words will come. And that's the way I did it.
0: That's good advice looking down the road, Gary, do you see yourself maybe writing another?
3: Yeah, yeah, I have some ideas. I may even do a study guide for this book and maybe maybe a couple of other books about hope, you know. Not only in the crises of life, but in the everyday life too, you know. My only purpose even in writing this book and in, in anything I'll do in the future is to spread that word of hope to others out there, you know. Mm. Because we're all in this life together,
0: you Absolutely. know. Absolutely. I think a lot of readers are going to find hope in this book, and I encourage my listeners to seek this one out for sure. Again, it's titled Finding Hope Within the Crisis, Lessons Learned in Life, Including My Nine-Month COVID Journey. This is a book written by Gary Texter, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing, so you can get it anywhere, like on Amazon or at Barnes & Noble or on iTunes, and also down the street at your local bookshop. Well, Gary, I really appreciate you coming on the show. And tell me about your story and all about this book. I had a nice time talking with you.
3: Yeah, the same here, Corey. I really appreciate it. I'm looking forward to maybe talking again and find the next book, you know?
0: Conversations with Colton, a story of fear, faith, and doubt. That's a new book. It just hit stores written by Julie Catania Shady. And I get to find out more about this book. The author, Julie, is here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Julie, thank you for being here. It's my pleasure.
4: Thank you for having me.
0: Uh, The pleasure's all mine, Julie. Can you tell me all about what you've written about in Conversations with Colton?
4: Yes, of course. Conversations with Colton is an exploration of faith. When I was pregnant with my son, Colton, doctors said he would not be born alive. But Mm -hmm. God stepped in, and a miracle happened. So I wrote a book about him our miracle and our conversation, which are hilarious, by the way. But what I planned to write and what I ended up writing are two totally different things. Mm. I planned to write a fun, comedic account of our conversation. And what I realized was that I actually had a greater message to share. Conversations with Colton explores how to keep faith when you're caught in a storm. You see, Colton survived despite what doctors said. And conversations with him have made all the fear, faith, and doubt that got us to this moment 100% worth it.
0: Hmm. Julie, what kinds of readers do you think would be really into this?
4: Well, you know, conversations with Colton, it is a faith builder. Christians will find it uplifting and a good reminder that miracles do happen. Believers and non-believers struggling will find hope that their storm will pass as well and everyone will get a kick out of Colton's conversations in the process. Mm. So I guess there is something for everyone in the book.
0: Jolie, when it comes to writing and publishing, everything like that, have you ever done anything like this before, or is this your first time?
4: No, this is all brand new to me.
0: Wow, congratulations. It's such a huge deal to get that first one out there. Did this take a long time for you to write and publish?
4: Well, I guess technically I've been writing conversations with Colton for the last seven years. Not in the conventional sense. But mm. so when my son was a baby, I started posting about him on social media using the hashtag Conversations with Colton. And, you know, the older he got, the more in-depth our conversations grew. And the older he grew, the more interesting our conversations got. Mm. And the more interesting our conversations got, the more I started to pray for patience. You can say that Conversations with Colton has been a work in progress for years.
0: And Jolie, can you tell me about that moment when the first copy finally came in and you got to hold this and look at it for the first time? What was that like?
4: Oh, my gosh. It was crazy. (laughs) I bet. It was amazing to be holding our story and our journey, like, in print, in my hands.
0: Now that you've done this for the first time, I'm sure it was a learning experience on a lot of different levels. So do you have anything that you could put out there as advice to the first-time aspiring authors listening?
4: If I were to give a piece of advice to aspiring authors, I would say read constantly. Mm. (laughs) You learn so much from reading other authors' work and always carry around a pen and pad of paper because you never know when you're going to have an idea and you're going to want to write it down.
0: Absolutely. Great advice, Julie. Thank you. Uh, Looking down the road, do you see yourself writing another, maybe publishing another?
4: I have several ideas rolling around in my head, but nothing in writing yet.
0: Now, the publishing end of things, there's so much involved in that, and it can really try your patience sometimes. So is there anything about that that you found particularly challenging?
4: Editing. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) I have a degree in broadcast journalism, so I like to think that I am a good writer, and I know where periods go, and, you know, how to make a sentence, but... There is just so much that goes into editing a book. It was a lot more than I was expecting.
0: So now, Jolie, you're a published author. What's the most rewarding aspect of that for you?
4: Long after I am gone, conversations with Colton will still be around. Mm-hmm. And the most rewarding part is, you know, to just hope that my book touches one life. Like my book touches one life and all of the writing and the work, it will all be worth it at the end.
0: Well, I know a lot of readers are going to be blessed by this amazing story, and I encourage my listeners, definitely, go check this out. Again, it's titled, Conversations with Colton, A Story of Fear, Faith, and Doubt. It's written by Julie Catania Shady, and is published by Christian Faith Publishing, so you can find it everywhere, like on Amazon or Barnes & Noble or iTunes, and also at traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Jolie, I really appreciate you coming on the show and telling me all about this story and about the book and everything. I, I hope we can do this again sometime.
4: Thank you so much. I would love that.
0: I'm looking at a book titled The Adventures of Silly Sally and the Prickly Bush. This is a book written by Pamela M. Starnes, and I'm going to find out all about it. The author, Pam, is right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Pam, welcome to the show. I really appreciate you being here tonight. Thanks, Corey, for having me. Absolutely. Pam, tell me all about The Adventures of Silly Sally and the Prickly Bush. What's it all about?
1: Well, Silly Sally is a little sheep. She's part of a flock, as she's prone to be. In this episode, she follows her sisters one day, and they lead her off the path, and she gets caught in a prickly bush. But, a good thing, her shepherd comes along and rescues her, and her sisters apologize, and she forgives them, and all is happy in sheep land. It's just a message for children that, you know, you need to be careful where you roam and not follow the long leaders.
0: Great message. I noticed you said in this episode. So, Pam, is this part of a series?
1: It is. The second one is already in the publisher's hands, and the third one is dancing around in my head.
0: What kinds of readers did you have in mind? Would these be for younger readers or a little bit older?
1: Well, that's an interesting question, because readers from 12 down to, you know, 1, when their parents read to them, have read it, and I've gotten a variety of reactions. A lot of them like the illustrations, and mm. that pleases me because my granddaughter drew the illustrations. Oh wow! So you know, as a proud grandmother,
3: <laughs>
1: I'm excited to hear that one little boy, a uh, young man, he's he's nine. He said, "Wow, she's a really good author. It rhymes." <laughs> 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 I was very amused by that, but. You never know. I
0: mean, (laughs) it was pretty funny. Pam, can you tell me how you got the idea for this book? How were you inspired?
1: Well, about five years ago, my granddaughter, who is the illustrator, we were studying Psalm 23. And we were memorizing, it It was a snowy day here, so we were stuck inside. And that seemed like a good thing to do that day. And I said to her, Naomi, do you have any images in your head of what it would be like to be a shepherd and have sheep to take care of? So she just kind of sketched out a few rough drafts, and I really liked them. And I thought, hmm, I wonder if I could do something with this. So over the course of those years, I've played with several sheep, different names, different scenarios, until last October, we went to the beach for a work week, and I made myself sit down and write out a storyline. And in November, I submitted it, and it was accepted, and no one was more surprised than me.
0: (laughs) 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 Pleasantly so. And then that day comes, Pam, and you finally get your first copy in, and you get to hold your book. What was that moment like for you?
1: I mean, that was so exciting. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's real. You know, up to this <laughs> point, it had just been emails back and forth, editing and the side making decisions. And I just couldn't believe it. That Wow, this thing is real. This is really happening. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> it was fun. I loved
0: it. So was this your first foray then into the world of publishing?
1: Yes. Yeah. Yes, and I, I entered it with fear and trembling. <laughs> I don't like rejection. <laughs> oh. And Actually, I only submitted it to one publishing house. You know, I don't like rejection. Do I need to say again? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how many times did I take it? So they called me. I was driving down the road from Covenant Books and said, well, we've accepted your manuscript. And I told them, I said, if I wasn't driving, I would jump for joy. So
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was an exciting day.
0: And when you think about the whole publishing process, is there any one thing about it that you found particularly challenging?
1: Getting the manuscript back and forth between the editors and myself, I kind of lost track of my original layout. I had to kind of rewrite, like, whole pages because I couldn't just take their one word or their one suggestion. I had to kind of rewrite it all. So that was a little challenging, but, you know, it wasn't insurmountable. It was fun. It worked out. I think it made it a better book.
0: I love the message in this book, and I know a lot of readers will, too. Again, the title is The Adventures of Silly Sally and the Prickly Bush. It's written by Pamela M. Starnes, and it's published by Covenant Books. So, of course, you can get it anywhere, like on Amazon or at Barnes & Noble or iTunes, and also traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Pam, thank you so much for talking with me tonight all about The Adventures of Silly Sally and the Prickly Bush and everything else you got going on. I really appreciate you being here.
1: Yes, well, thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun.
0: Cancer diagnosis is a death sentence, but there is recourse for the faithful in Christ. That's the name of the new book. It's written by Godwin Iroyua, and I'm going to find out all about this book. The author Godwin is here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Godwin, thank you so much for being here. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much for accepting me, Dan. The pleasure's all mine, Godwin. Can you tell me all about this book? What can readers expect here? This group is
5: almost like, it's a personal story. It's like a testimony of the experience I had when I was diagnosed with the two prostate cancer. And uh, so the details, the, my experiences with the doctors, all of the tests, and how I eventually took
0: a decision not to go along with the doctors, but to take a different route altogether. And what made you decide to write your story and to publish it for the world? Well,
5: I wanted people to know that it's not really a death sentence. It only seems to be like a death sentence because a lot of people get scared when you know, when they're diagnosed with their cancer. It, there's always the feeling that, oh, perhaps this is the end of the world. But the book is written to assure readers, especially believers,
0: and uh, there's always a way out. There's recourse for those of us who have Christ as our Lord and Savior. Would you say, then, this is a book primarily for believers? Would you think that unbelievers non-believers out there would get something out of this as well? Oh, definitely. Because there's
5: a lot to learn. It's not just about religion. It's about your person, your personality. It's about knowledge, you know, information. There's a lot of you know, contain in the book that would benefit everybody, including unbelievers.
0: Oh, fantastic. Godwin, when it comes to writing and being published, is this your first time, or have you done this kind of thing before? I have. Actually, this is my fifth book. Hmm. I've previously published uh, four books. Do you have plans to do more in the future? Keep going? I hope so. That's the idea, actually. <laughs> so how long does a book like Cancer Diagnosis is a Death Sentence take you to write, considering all the publishing process and everything involved?
5: It took me about maybe two and a half to three years. It was published this year, and then I started about 2020. You know, perhaps early 2020 to middle of it.
0: What did you find the most challenging part of that whole process for you, Godwin? Because the
5: idea although it wasn't so challenging, but the idea of trying to arrange the story because like I said it's a personal story. And a lot of things were happening simultaneously. So trying to arrange them in a way that would make sense to every reader. And try to have a explain certain end. there were certain technical issues involved, you know, that I had to find out, make some research to find out what they mean certain criminology and all of that. So, yes, this it was trying to find out the truth about, I mean, some of the meanings of the doctors, prescriptions what cancer is all about. Back on that, I think it
0: was all about telling a story. Mm. So this was a few years in the making, and this is a very personal story for you, Godwin. So what was that moment like when this book finally came in, you got to hold it for the first time? It was fascinating. It
5: was uh, something that gave me some joy, especially when I realized it's been published by a reputable publisher, Christian Faith Publishing Company. So it, it kind of gave me some satisfaction. At least it was acceptable to
0: them, and they published it so copy and it was beautiful. I, I loved it. You just talked about how much joy that you get out of all this, Godwin. So, what would you say is the most rewarding aspect for you of being a published author? Especially with this book, is the fact that
5: I'm telling a story about a deadly disease and I'm alive that it's been published so I can read it. Mm-hmm. Not only that, it was also a story of me putting my faith on the line. You know, I felt like, okay, instead if I were going to disobey the doctors, what would, what would be my alternative? And that was like testing my faith. And uh, thank God that I came out successful.
0: To me, that is the most fascinating part you know, this particular book. Well, this book certainly tells a fascinating, outstanding story, and I know a lot of people are going to be blessed by it, and I encourage my listeners to go check this out. Again, the title is Cancer Diagnosis is a Death Sentence, But There is Recourse for the Faithful in Christ. It's written by Godwin Iroyua, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. So you can find it anywhere like Amazon or Barnes & Noble or iTunes, and even down the street at your local bookshop. Godwin, it's been really nice having you on the show and finding out about this work. I had a nice time talking with you tonight. Thank you so much for spending time with me. I truly appreciate it. Sitting down here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable, I'm delighted to welcome author Jennifer Gramlin. Jennifer, thank you for being here with me. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure, and I wanted to say congratulations. There's a new audiobook out you wrote called Meadow Springs family. Uh, Jennifer, can you tell me what it's all about?
1: Well, it's kind of based around what happened to me in my 11th grade year. My character, her name is Rachel, and she finds out that her math teacher has stage four lung cancer. So she wants to make a project to show her teacher that she is loved and that she has inspired and helped so many students while also processing herself what's going on and trying to keep herself together while supporting her friends and her family.
0: Mm. Jennifer, what sorts of readers do you think would be really into this?
1: Those who have been in this type of situation before and those who want that type of support and to be able to connect to it.
0: And when it comes to writing and publishing everything, Jennifer, have you ever done this before or is this your first book?
1: This is my first book, and it was an amazing experience. I worked with a great team, and it was definitely something I really loved.
0: I'm glad to hear that it was such a good experience for you. Was it a long process?
1: It was a long process. It was about a year for them to publish, but it took me three years to fully get it done.
0: Then, after all that time, Jennifer, it must have been a crazy moment for you whenever that first copy came in and you got to hold this thing and look at it for the first time. What was that like for you? It was
1: astounding. I remember the day I came in, scared the crap out of my sister when I screamed because I was so <laughs> to read it.
0: I <laughs> <laughs> Love it. And Jennifer, we're talking about the audiobook edition here. So what was it like whenever you heard your book, as opposed to just reading it off the page?
1: It was completely different, but it was so amazing to listen to. And listening, it took me back.
0: <laughs> mm. Was it a challenge to find just the right voice for your book?
1: It was. I had to really listen closely to how they spoke and how they presented it, and I definitely found the one.
0: Jennifer, if an aspiring author came up to you and said, Hey, Jennifer, I know you've been publishing. What advice could you give me? What would you tell them?
1: Don't give up. It's definitely going to be one of the up and down moments for you, but like you would just be so proud of yourself. Mm.
0: Looking down the road, Jennifer, do you see yourself writing and publishing more?
1: I definitely do. I'm actually currently working on another book.
0: Fantastic. So what did you find the most challenging part of things, especially when it came to the publishing end? You know, there's so much involved in that. Was there anything you found a little difficult?
1: Not really. Everything was straightforward and not overwhelming at all.
0: Wonderful. Well, Jennifer, when you sit down to write, are you a person that likes to write maybe really early in the morning or really late at night? Or are you the kind of person that writes whenever the ideas or the time are there for you?
1: I will write when the ideas and the time is there. It could be any time, day or
0: night. And oftentimes, us authors also love to read. So, Jennifer, what kind of a reader are you?
1: That really depends. I love every kind of book, so... Give me one random book, and I'll just start reading it right in the moment.
0: So there's an awful lot of work involved in writing and publishing, Jennifer. So in light of all of that, what's the most rewarding aspect for you of now being a published author?
1: The most rewarding aspect is being able to share the experience and helping others be able to understand that they're not alone. Hmm.
0: And do you have people in your life, Jennifer, who can inspire maybe motivate you along the way? Oh, definitely.
1: My whole family and my best friend, they definitely help me with my writing and motivate me.
0: And another thing you have to think about when you're publishing is what your book is actually going to look like once it's up there on the shelf. So was it a challenge for you to figure out maybe what's going on the cover?
1: That did take me a good while to figure out. I wanted something that would be meaningful, and so I asked them to put the sign for lung cancer on it, and I asked them to put hands of different race and age.
0: Again, it's titled Meadow Springs Family. It's written by Jennifer Gramlin, and it's published by the Audiobook Network. So, Go everywhere that you like to pick up your audiobooks, like on Audible or the Apple iTunes Store or on Amazon, and you'll be able to find this. Jennifer, I really appreciate you being here tonight and telling me all about your work. I had a nice time talking with you.
1: I had a wonderful time talking to you as well. Thank you for having me.
0: Tales of Alandria, book one, Sowillo. That's the name of the new book. It just got out there. It's written by Larissa Kreider. And I get to talk all about this book with the author. Larissa is here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Larissa, welcome. I appreciate you being here with me.
1: Yeah, thank you. Hello. It's an honor to be on the show. I just appreciate your time today.
0: I appreciate your time, too, Larissa. Can you tell me all about Tales of Alandria?
1: Yeah, so Tales of Alandria is a book that I uh, started writing originally in like 2016. It all started with a little paragraph because I got a brand new laptop and it was just, I once was a girl that lived on the edge of the world. And then a little bit by little, it started to turn into more and then she got a name and then she started going on this grand adventure. And I found this wonderful avenue that I started to kind of hide little details of my life within sort of paralleled emotional journeys that allowed me to process a lot of heavy things from my origins, my early childhood. And it became this dynamic Thing and I started to really let everything kind of come out. And I've had this story, like this this idea of this whole like epic adventure in my head since I was little and watching it kind of unfold and come to life. It started to just take on a life of its own. And funny thing is, the book that I started is not the book that got published. I had a, an event that happened in my life. One of the characters that I had written into the book, well, he, he did me dirty in real life. And I decided that I couldn't write anymore on that book because I wanted to erase him from it but it was really good content, (laughs) so I didn't want to. Like, I had worked so hard, and it was really good stuff. So I put it down, and I opened up a blank document, and I decided to do, like, a prequel kind of thing. And it evolved into book one, So Willow, and it was kind of cool to watch it happen. It was nice, though, because the second book's already halfway written.
0: Fantastic. Larissa, what kinds of readers would you say would be really into this series?
1: I imagine those who are open to there being more than just what we see every day. Those who are open to possibility and magic. There's a lot of things that in the story, you know, they take you to places. And they kind of push you to the edge of what you thought was possible. Maybe take you outside of your comfort zone a little bit. I'm hoping that people who have been through things like I have, they've seen more than they should have much earlier in life. And they feel like broken or forgotten or invisible. I want them to pick up my book and feel heard and seen and see that it's possible to find a way to overcome literally anything with just a little bit of self-love and being open to the art of possible, you know?
0: Love it. So, Larissa, what does your writing background look like? Prior to this, have you written or published?
1: Yeah, actually, this is my uh, second time being officially published. Hmm. Back in 2020, actually, I believe it was 2021, I was published, I was featured in a book called The Girls Who Refused to Quit. I was featured in volume it's a book that was like based in the uk it's a collection of 15 women from all around the world i am the one from america i'm the only one in the story that lives in america we each tell a chapter of our lives a moment in which we took control of our lives and our situations and didn't give up so yeah that one was published in february of 2021
0: so this is your first novel did this take you a long time to do
1: The actual amount of time it took for me to write the whole book was probably six full months, but it took me four years after I had written it to become brave enough to publish it.
0: Man, then that day comes and you open your mailbox and there it is. You got your first copy And Larissa. What's that like?
1: Oh, it was life changing. Yeah, it was, oh, I opened it up and I couldn't really believe it and I just kind of leafed through it and the reality of it kind of started to sink in and I remember like my heart kind of like stopped for a second and I felt so warm inside it was like this massive rush of adrenaline and I kind of saw the 10 year old version of me who first said out loud one day I want a copy of my own book with my name at the bottom to sit on a bookshelf somewhere and I was holding a copy of a book with my name on the bottom it was it still gets me all kinds of excited when I think about it
0: Again, it's called Tales of Alandria, Book One, Sewillo. It's written by Larissa Kreider, and it's published by Newman Springs Publishing, so it's available anywhere, like on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and iTunes, and also down the street at your local bookshop. Larissa, it's been a real pleasure talking with you tonight and learning all about this series and about your writing process and everything. I had a really nice time.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for your time today. It was wonderful to meet you, and this whole experience has been surreal and honestly truly incredible.
0: Right now, I'm looking at an exciting new novel by Robert Pugh. It's titled The Glance. I'm going to find out all about this book. Robert is right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Robert, thanks for being here tonight. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you. appreciate your asking. It's my pleasure. The pleasure's all mine, Robert. I'm really curious about The Glance. It seems really exciting. Can you tell me about it?
3: Yes, it's the sequel to The Unwilling, which was the initial story of Mason and Molly. And in this story, there are two new—well, one's an executive producer. The other's the face of a particular station, a television station. And this particular producer, and in the second in the series, and this newscaster are married. And they have a young child. And he's from a very small community of guess where? From Pennsylvania. And heads to Washington. That's where he met Molly. They were dealing with an initial case, and this starts the second case that they're involved with, and it picks it up at what I think most of us have been through at an airport, and we're waiting to get off the airplane, and he was standing up to get his overhead luggage when Molly tags on his shirt and says, did you see that? And from that point on, the mystery begins to
0: unravel. Hmm. Robert, what kinds of readers would you think would be really into this? Young adult, perhaps but definitely adults. There's suspense, thriller kind of stories that
3: Molly and Mason are involved in, and I think it definitely could be enjoyed by a young adult, but typically somebody who's probably 35 and older.
0: Hmm. When it comes to the glance, where did the idea for the plot come from, Robert? Is there anything in particular?
3: Yes. My wife and I were flying back from Colorado. We had visited our daughter out there, and I was standing up, getting things from overhead, and I looked up, and there was an individual going out the front exit of the aircraft.
0: Looked familiar,
3: but couldn't place it. So I cupped out away and began
0: thinking on it, and that's where the story began. How long does a book like The Glance take you to write from beginning to end? Without interruption, probably six to eight months, but this one took almost a year. Life kind of got in the way. Yeah, that's understandable. When it comes to the publishing end of things, Robert, is there any part of that that you find particularly challenging? Well, I laugh only because if I had done a better
3: job of initially writing the book, I wouldn't have had to have done so much editing. But I'm pleased, though, that I've really been given great guidance from uh, Christian Faith Publishing Mm. and the information that's been provided for me on how to improve the book, which
0: has been very much gratefully received. Uh, the glance, he said, this is number two in the series. Do you have more planned out? Yes. In fact, I'm working on the third
3: book at this point, and it's called The Visit, which is a follow-up to The Unwilling and The Glance. I guess the reason for that is those who have read The Unwilling wanted to have more explanation, more, I guess, side bits of information about the relationship between Molly and Mason and how that happened. So this book, The Glance, kind of helps, give more background on that. But the third book, The Visit, will be a much more serious approach to what happens at television stations and within
0: the news industry and the journalistic side of it. Mm. When it comes to the element of the TV station and everything that you've written about there, Robert, is that something that you pull from your background?
3: Just partially. I've never been as part of a crew or anything like that, but I have been on television before. Always fascinated, though, with the way the timing of things happen and the preparation for the layout and the stage setting. And I had a good friend who, I guess the best way to put it is that he gave me some advice for this book,
0: who had spent a number of years in the television industry. So I've always been fascinated by it. Prior to the first book in this series, Robert, what was your writing background like? Was that your first one or did you write more before that? This book, The Glance, is my
3: seventh. Published book. Oh wow! I really enjoyed writing the first three, which was a series. I've got a, a little bit of experience in the background of historical
0: fiction plus or suspense and thriller. That's kind of where my art lies. Well, I know readers are really going to love this book and this whole series. And I encourage my listeners to go give this one a shot. Again, this is called The Glance. It's written by Robert Pugh. It's published by Christian Faith Publishing. So it's available anywhere, like on Amazon, or Barnes & Noble, or iTunes, and also traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Robert, it's been wonderful speaking with you here tonight and learning about The Glance and everything else you've been working on. Thanks again for joining me.
3: Well, thank you, Corey, and I appreciate the invitation, and thank you for getting
0: the nuts and bolts about this book out to the public. Joining me right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable, i really happy to welcome author Amanda Sherrill. Amanda, thank you for being here with me.
1: Thank you. I am happy to be here.
0: I'm really happy you're here as well, and I'm happy that you have a new book out titled Venus Over Kima. Oh, Amanda, what's this all about?
1: Well, it's about a young woman's quest for answers after she witnesses a body being disposed of. It's complicated by the arrival of a covert organization that believes the United States is close to crumbling and that domination by a globalized government is imminent. She also learns about an international force that's using genetic warfare and propaganda to create a subservient mutant population and is horrified when she realizes Kima is in the middle of the madness. And as the bodies pile up, she suspects a serial killer is on the loose. And she's soon in his sight. but he's not the only one after her.
0: Wow, this sounds really exciting, Amanda. What kinds of readers did you have in mind for this?
1: Well, the story is for all adults who are wondering what's going on with the United States and how they might circumvent the threat. I hope young adult readers will also take note of the lifelong repercussions caused by poor decisions and maybe take more control of their lives to avoid those consequences.
0: Amanda, I'm curious how you came up with the idea for this plot. What was the inspiration for it?
1: Well, my inspiration is actually, it's inspired by reality. But to pinpoint the human inspiration, the people I saw during Operation COVID who were consumed with fear were my inspiration to share some of the answers I found in my research.
0: Amanda, when it comes to writing and publishing and all that, have you done this before or is this your first one?
1: No, I've written several magazine articles. Some were educational and geared to the small business in a connected computer world. And then my first novel, Dirt Dollar's Death, was published two years ago.
0: Hmm. So with Venus over Kima, how long of a process was that once you sat down and started writing it up until it hit store shelves?
1: The actual writing process was only about a year and a half. But the building, it took much longer from the inception.
0: And do you see yourself writing, publishing more, maybe doing a follow-up to this one?
1: Yes. This one won't have a follow-up to the story, probably, but there will be carryover characters.
0: Wonderful. Well, now that you've been publishing a bit, Amanda, uh, what advice would you have for the authors out there who are just starting out?
1: First of all, you need to have something to say. If a thought haunts you every day, focus on it and investigate it. Find its source and then track it to wherever it leads. And document your search. You need to get used to writing down what's in your mind because it's not easy. The results you find or even the journey itself could be the base of your first book.
0: I like that advice. So that day comes, Amanda, and you finally get your first copy and you actually get to hold the thing that you've probably just been looking at on the computer screen all that time. So what was that moment like for you?
1: Well, it was my second book. So I was ecstatic and very thankful that it was written and published. The most emotional would have been my first book, but yes, it was awesome to hold
0: it. So looking back over at all, Amanda, all the publishing, writing that you're doing, for you, what's the most rewarding aspect of being a published author?
1: Probably when a reader tells me that a certain thing in a story was a real eye-opener or that he or she sympathized with a particular character. So positive reader feedback is the most
0: rewarding to me. And when you were writing this or any of your other books, uh, did you ever get writer's block? No. No. Oh, wow. (laughs) You're one of the lucky ones.
1: My biggest thing was that my thought, then when I turned around and read it, I had to make sure they weren't what I call thought blobs, that they made sense reading it.
0: And when it comes to the publishing end of things, there's so much involved in that, and it can take a while. And, Maybe try you a little bit as far as the patience goes. So is there anything in particular about the publishing process that you find the most challenging?
1: Waiting in between edits.
0: Mm.
1: When you, yeah, when you send it off and then you got to wait like a month. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, the waiting, that would be the most stressful. Yes.
0: I know a lot of readers are going to be into this story, and I encourage my listeners to seek this one out. Again, the title is Venus Over chema. It's written by Amanda Sherrill, and it's published by Covenant Books, so you can find it everywhere, like on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and iTunes. Also down the street at your local bookshop. Amanda, it's been so nice having you on the show here and learning about your work. I hope we can do this again sometime. Great, thank you so much, Corey. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations